Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Even as we sing that, Holy Spirit, you know inside of us we're wondering what exactly does that mean? You're mysterious to us in so many ways. You move in power and you move in ways, Lord, that we just don't always fully grasp. So today, God, Holy Spirit, today, fall fresh on this place. We understand, Lord, that that each one of us who have come and claim the name of Jesus as our Savior is the indwelling place of you, Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we're asking that you move in our hearts today and you take the clutter, the distractions, the things that keep us from knowing you and keep us from understanding your power and keep your church from the power that you have given us. God, I pray that today you'd move in our hearts and in our lives right here. Awaken in us a fresh passion for your power, for your glory to be revealed in and through us. In the powerful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, I pray boldly. And God's people said, Amen. 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 I invite you to be seated as the children through grade four are released to the to the classes prepared for them. And I am so excited to look at this passage of scripture with you today. This is a passage of scripture that if we are going to understand what God has for us as a church, we need to grab hold of this passage of this understanding of, of the power that is available for us. So as we look at this passage today, we're looking at the church focused on its mission as we look at the book of Acts. And I've asked you to remember four things as we go through the book of Acts. And they are that God's power for the church is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is sought through prayer. And that the power for church is what empowers us to accomplish our mission. And that the God's power sustains the church amidst persecution. And so we're looking at these things as we look at the book of Acts. And we're going to see them all over the place in the passage we're looking at here today. But today we're, we're starting and we're, we're looking at, at, at the picture changed for our, for our, our, our sermon series. And, and this is an artist's rendition of what Jerusalem would have looked like at the time of Christ or the time right after Christ ascended. And so sometimes it's hard for us to get a, a glimpse or a feel of what it would have been like. But as we look at this, this day uh, that we'll be looking at in Scripture, the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost, it would have been in a setting similar to this. Now, this isn't a picture taken, but rather it's a rendition of, of what an artist thinks it may have looked like with a temple mount in the background, Solomon's portico, and, and just thinking of the people who were there and who were, who were who were in Jerusalem. And you remember that Jesus told, told his disciples, go into Jerusalem and wait there for the promised Holy Spirit will come and then I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then Judea, Samaria and the other most parts of the world. And so the disciples are here in Jerusalem somewhere. I don't know which one of those buildings, but they're waiting, right, for the Holy Spirit to come. Now our text starts out with with just five or six words, it says, when the day of Pentecost came. When the day of Pentecost came. And we here in Williams Bay in 2018, we read that and we quickly move on to where's the meat of the passage. And could I share with you that the meat of the passage is in those first few verses, or first few words in a major way. Because if we were to read this in the original, it would, it would say that, that when the day of Shavuot came, 
Shavuot. You see, it's the last of the spring festivals. The last of the spring festivals of the three. There's, there's Passover, and then there's, and then there's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then there's the, the Feast of Shavuot. And so when that day came, what does that mean? Well, let's think about that a little bit. The spring feast, as we know from Leviticus 23, and, and as Jesus came, these three spring feasts, Passover, the, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of Shavuot, all are fulfilled in the first advent of our Lord and Savior Jesus. The three fall festivals will be fulfilled in the second coming of our Lord. But as we look at these, that's what makes this so significant and so powerful. So what would the people have been doing? I have a picture here that gives somewhat of an idea of what would have been happening at this time. And, and people would have been coming from all over the, the known world at that time. Jewish people would have been making their way to Jerusalem. Just like many of them did for Passover, they'd be doing the same thing for Shavuot. Now, Shavuot, though, the special part of this is that it's the festival of weeks. It's the festival of weeks. They'd been counting, you see, 50 days from, from Passover, and they'd been counting the days down so that they could celebrate this. It's the festival of weeks, but it's also the festival of firstfruits. So what would happen is they would, they would go to their homes after the festival of unleavened bread, and they'd start watching their crops, because the crops had been planted, but the Jewish people knew and understood, especially in Israel, the only way crops grow is if they're touched by God. And so they would watch their crops to see where is God moving, where is he touching? And they would wait and see, and when they saw the first, when they saw the first grain appear on the wheat, they would start to watch that wheat because they knew that that would be the first fruits that would be the first part of the field that would come and be ripe and ready to harvest. And what that would mean is that God would be blessing the whole harvest. But they understood and knew from Scripture that the first fruits belonged to God. And so they would watch them and they'd collect them. And then they'd gather the sheaves of those first fruits because of all the fruits of the land of Israel, wheat and barley would be the first two to come and those would be what they'd bring to Shavuot. The next three would be figs and grapes and pomegranates and the final two, olives and dates. But they would bring these sheaves of first fruits and this was something the whole family did. So children would be watching as well where, where is the first fruits? Where, where are the first parts of the harvest that we can bring to the festival? And this was a festival that was filled with joy. The synagogues would be decorated with flowers, mainly roses. Dairy would be eaten, and, and they would be celebrating. And they also would be celebrating the giving of the law through Moses at Mount Sinai because that happened at the same time. And so they'd be celebrating the giving of the law. They'd be making their way in. And it's hard to tell in this picture, but there's a bull there that has his horns ordained in gold. There's lambs that are ready to be sacrificed, goats, and then the first fruits. And so these would all be brought into the city. And Jews from all over would be coming to recognize and celebrate. And it was a festival. And as they were brought, the priests would be prepared. 
And the priests made two very special loaves of bread, large special loaves of bread. And they were made with leaven. And remember, this follows the unleavened bread. But this bread would be made with leaven. And it would be brought into the temple. And it would be brought to the altar. But leaven could never be sacrificed on the altar. So the loaves would be waved before the altar, along with the lambs that would be waved before the altar. Then the lambs would be sacrificed and the, and the loaves would be eaten. Now we know now, looking back, that the reason that the leaven is in the loaves is because the Gentiles are going to be brought in and grafted into the Jewish people. Amen? But as we looked at it and, they, and we think of this festival, this is what's going on. And that's just part of it. But when we read, when the day of Pentecost came, that's what we read. This is a Jewish festival. And so these 120 people are gathered together. And, and they're thinking about first fruits. Everything we have comes from God. And we must give back to him that which comes first. When they were together in one place. We see the big idea for today is that God sends his power for the mission. God sends his power for the mission for the church. The first part is that the power comes when we're united together in prayer. When we come together in prayer, that's when the power of God comes. That's what we'll see in our text. And so they're together and they're praying. And I believe with all my heart, they understand and know that Jesus said, I will never leave you. So even though he's gone into heaven, I believe with all my heart, they're praying and they're talking to Jesus. They're talking to the Father. They're talking to God. And, and they're sharing with him. And I'm sure that what they're doing is thanking him for, for the first fruits. They're thanking him for all that they provided because that's what they've done all their lives. And I would imagine they're reminiscing as well. Remember when Jesus was here with us for Shavuot? Remember how we celebrated that with him? Remember what it was like? And they're together. And they're praying. And as Pastor Tim talked to us last week, that, that importance of the power of prayer and how significant it is. In this book, Forgotten Power, there's a, a couple of pages here I'd like to read for you. And I, I've been so impacted by this book and, and the elders as well. And so we've gotten some and they're out at the Welcome Center. I'd encourage you to stop and grab one on your way home today because if, if, you, if you would like for your prayer life to be stronger than it is, this is something that could help you with that. The chief danger of prayerlessness is pride. Talked to us about that last week, Pastor Tim. When prayer is not front and center, we can begin to feel that whatever is happening that is good in our congregation is the result of our hard work, our great ideas, or our fantastic marketing. We so easily forget the words of Jesus in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Failing to pray is failing to trust in the Lord and his strength. Ronnie Floyd, in his great book, How to Pray, makes this profound statement. Prayer occurs when you depend on God. Prayerlessness occurs when you depend on yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to think a lot of times about what I can do. Man, I am so capable. Anybody else here? 
I mean, right? I mean, I, I've got all this ability, and, and I can do this, and I can do that, and the next thing you know, I'm 10 miles down the road, and I'm thinking, I guess I should have invited God along. See, and, and if we're not careful, we move ahead in our own power. And listen, in our own power, we will not accomplish the things that God has for us to accomplish. We will accomplish the things that we want to accomplish. He goes on to say, perhaps the most obvious danger of prayerlessness is the lack of real power in the church today. We speak of power, we sing of power, and yet we see so very little power in our lives. The source of spiritual power is, of course, God. But that power will not be realized in our lives apart from the amazing connection to God called prayer. It is prayer that provides the channel through which the power of God runs into and through our lives. It's prayer. Prayer is our channel of power. S.D. Gordon puts it this way in his book. The great people of the earth today are the people who pray. I do not mean those who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, nor those who explain prayer, but I mean those who actually take time and pray. They have not time. It must be taken from something else. That something else is important, very important and pressing, but still less important and pressing than prayer. There are people who put prayer first and then group all the other items in life schedule around and after prayer. Listen to this. These are the people today who are doing the most for God in winning souls, in solving problems, in awakening churches, in supplying both men and money for mission posts, in keeping fresh and strong their lives far off in sacrificial service on the foreign field where the thickest fighting is going on. Let me give you a visual of what that means. Dave and Carol, you're headed off to Turkey. And you can go on your own power. You can do it all on your own. You can go and buy an airplane ticket. You can drive down to the airport. You can get on the plane. You can head off there. You can pack your suitcase. You can get off. You can take your Bible. You can open it up. You can start sharing with some people. And you can, you can talk to them. And they'll all be impressed with you because you're very impressive people. And you'll get back on the plane and you'll come back. You can do that all on your own. And you will miss all the power of God. You will not you will not have any impact for God at all because you've gone on your own power. And so we prayed for them and we're good, right? Check. Now we're good. They're going under God's power. No, listen, the, the truth about that quote that becomes so powerful and so exciting is this. I'm sorry, Bob. Is See, when the camera, he, when I, I should go slower. Okay, so but I get excited about this. As we pray for them while they're gone, we're doing more than they are. You you get that? 
See, because we're tapping into the power of God and we're in Turkey with them. And our prayers are bringing the power of God into the work that they're doing. And listen, shame on us if we send them out without that power. We can do it, but where's the value? How do you send your kids off to school in the morning? You get their lunches ready? You got their lunches ready? You got their, their, their money for books? Whatever, I don't, it's been so long since I'd send kids, I don't know what you need. But. Do you pray with them? Do you pray for their teachers? Do you pray for their souls? Because listen, otherwise you're just sending them off in their own power. Do you see the importance of prayer? And if we're going to access the power of God for what we're doing, for the mission we're called to do, listen, otherwise all we're going to be doing is the best we can do apart from the power of God. And that is mediocre at best. And I don't know about you, but I want to see the power of God come on this place. And we're going to access that united in prayer. And might I say to you that there are chairs open on Tuesday night when we gather together. But if you can't make Tuesday night, find ways to get together with other people and be praying that God would move in power. In what ways do I unite myself in prayer with other believers? The second thing we see is that the power of God comes in an unexpected and irresistible way. I love this. They're all together in one place and suddenly the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What a picture. I've been trying to grab hold of this. Can you, can you imagine this? I mean, it's like this, this amazing thing that happens and it's a once-in-a-lifetime event. It's a one for all. You see, understand, Jesus died once and for all. One time on the cross. Jesus was raised from the dead one time for all. And Jesus was ascended one time. And the Holy Spirit came in power like this one time. It is a one-time occurrence. There's only one time that the Holy Spirit comes for the first time. Okay, so it's this, it's this outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a special and powerful way. And we try to grab hold of it, and it's like a violent wind. And, and I think of the weather forecast, right, where they say to you, there's a hurricane out. Whatever you do, don't go outside. And then they switch to a new view with a guy standing outside, right? You know, and, and he's standing out there like this, you know, and he's trying to stand, and he can't. He gets blown away. You know, it's, it's kind of like that idea, right, where, where it's this... The sound is deafening. And you can't hear the wind, but you can hear what the wind does. And the wind makes a difference. And the wind comes. And it sweeps over them. And it's deafening. And then, these flames appear. 
And these flames appear and they, and they, they seem to be settling. And what's going on? Jeremiah chapter 31. Verse 33, Jeremiah 31, 33. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, with the people of Israel, after that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds. I will write it in their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. See, what's happening is the Holy Spirit's coming as he was promised through the prophet Jeremiah and he is falling on them and the Holy Spirit is indwelling them and they are becoming filled with the presence of God. I'm excited enough about that for all of us. We We often call Pentecost the birthday of the church. Have you considered the correlation between the events of that day and the day when the first temple was dedicated? As Solomon stood before the people and finished praying his great prayer of dedication, there came from heaven what we often call the Shekinah glory of God. The actual presence of God came, and the glory came, and it came down on the temple. Fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifices, and the glory of the presence of the Lord filled the temple, so much so that the priests couldn't even go inside. It was clear God had come to his house. On the day of Pentecost, as the disciples gathered to pray, God once again dedicated his house. Again, fire fell from heaven. This time, the fire didn't come to a building, but instead separated and came over the heads of the believers. A new temple was dedicated. And you are that temple. God's house is now his people, both when we are gathered in assembly as well as individually, what hasn't changed is his name for his house. God's house is still a house of prayer for all nations. Amen? A house of prayer for all nations. Listen, think about that. The fire of God, as Solomon prayed, dedicated that first temple, the fire of God came down and so consumed the temple, the glory so filled the temple that the, that, that the priests couldn't even go in. And, and here on the day of Pentecost, the fire comes down and it settles on each one of them and they become the temple of God and the Holy Spirit indwells them with the same power that he came into the first temple. And if you have trusted Christ as your savior, that power has come into your life. Are you aware of the presence of that power in your life? Let me ask you a question. We are confident because of Scripture. See, the Holy Spirit came to the church on the day of Pentecost, overtook all the Jewish people who are the birth of the church. He came as the first fruits. The festival of first fruits. And the Holy Spirit comes as the first fruits. He's the first fruits, Paul says. A deposit given, guaranteeing what is to come for you, for me. 
that the Holy Spirit should come and indwell us. And if you have come to a place in your life where you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price and you have been indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit and that will not be taken from you. But let me ask you a question. What if it was? What if the Holy Spirit was taken from you right now? Would you notice the difference? Would you be like, what just happened? All, all my power's gone. I'm helpless now. Or would you be like, I don't know what that was. Listen, are you so aware of the power of the presence of God in your life that if you lost it for one second, you wouldn't know what to do? Because that's, that's what we're talking about here is that the power of God is what's given to us in the person of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the mission that he has for his church. And as we're aware of that power, we live within that power. Listen, the truth is, I got all the power I need right here. I could solve every problem. Give me a problem. I'll solve it for you, Paul. I, you you want to know the square root of 497,633? No problem, right? You know, I mean, I, I've got all the power. No, I don't have any of the power I need because I am here by God's grace to be a servant of God. And I need his power in order to serve him and his power for me to serve him is the Holy Spirit in my life. And it's the same for you. And we seek that power through prayer. And, and listen, if we don't tap into that power, then it's just our best efforts. And it's meaningless. And it's chasing after the wind. And the world continues in chaos because the peace that we hold is kept within us. I'm out of time. I had a whole nother point. Okay. <laughs> you heard him. Real quickly. The power of God brings the message to all people. Listen, this is what is so cool. Listen, when I, when I am surrendered to God in prayer when I'm overwhelmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, what happens to me is less important than how I handle what happens to me. I don't care if I don't like what's going on. It doesn't matter to me. All that matters to me is how can I make Jesus known? And how can I make him known to people all over the world? Because listen, that's the heart of God. It's no mistake. Listen, it is no mistake that this moment took place when there were people from all over the world who were in Jerusalem. See, there were Jews, and here's the beautiful thing, the birth of the church is Jews. And, and Jesus came, he said to the Jew first, and here it is, and they're here, and they're there from every nation under the sun. See, God has taken this piece of land, of all the land that God owns, and he owns all of it. He gave this one piece of land to the nation of Israel. He said, this is your land. And, and so they, they look at this land, they know it's theirs, and he said, as long as you obey me, you'll be able to stay there. Well, we know they didn't obey. And so Assyria came and threw out Israel and Babylon came and threw out Judah. And so the, the Israelites got scattered all over the world, but they never left their land. 
There's always a remnant to God's promise. And so they're tied to their land. And so these, these people, even though they'd been sent all over the world, they still come back to their land. And they come back. Some of them are back for Shavuot. Some of them are back because they've moved back to Israel. But they've learned new languages. They've been exiled for so long that new languages have become their heart languages. No, I'm not bilingual. But I, I know enough to know that each of us has a heart language, right? A language from our heart. And if we're going to talk about the deep things of God, Esther, I need to be able to talk to you in your heart language. In Czech, Czech's a hard language to learn. So is English if you're Czech. But see, what's amazing is on this day of Pentecost, in just a moment, because it would take me so long to learn Czech, in a way that would allow me to speak to you in a heart language. But on the day of Pentecost, these Galileans, Galileans had a dialect that was rough at best. These Galileans instantly knew the heart language of every person there and spoke that heart language and began to talk about, look, look what they were talking about here. You see it? In verse 11, they were declaring the wonders of God in our own heart language. These fire talkers. These fire talkers are speaking the wonders of God into people's lives from all over the world. And these people are hearing it, and now they're going to take the message back around the world in their heart language, in their own tongue. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And so we send people around the world. But the world has come to us as well. Now I know we live in a day and age where there's all this controversy about immigration and those types of things. And I'm not talking about the political nature. Governments need to decide what to do with that. But the church needs to decide how do we minister to the people God's brought to our country? And so the yellow sheet in your bulletin is what does it mean for us to love God, love people? I encourage you to read it as you get a chance and stop and consider how can we love people of every nation, even those that God's brought into our midst? Ah. Oh, church. Oh, church. We must repent. We have not tapped into the power of God. I have not. We have not. We function in our own power in so many different ways. And we need to stand before God and say, God, I don't want to do this. Please help me. And so we sing the songs, Holy Spirit, Holy fire fall, come and fill this place with your presence. And, and some of us are like, I don't like how many times that song repeats. Well, listen, get it down and we won't have to repeat it. <laughs> Amen. Okay. So what? 
How will we intentionally use the power we've been given to fulfill our mission? How will we do this? And you notice I changed the I to we because it's going to take us. Find people, get involved, meet together, pray together. Come here and pray. Figure out ways we can get into the community, put our faith into action. And not with our power, but with his power. Laboring with all his power within us. Oh God. Oh God. Help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand and hear God's good word for you? From Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, may we learn the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I release you to a week of work, witness, and worship. God bless you. Amen.